Scrumcast. I'm Jade Maskill. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Roy Vandewater. I'm Drew Lesweer. I'm Alan Daly. All right, Alan, so you had an interesting question for us. Uh, why don't you go ahead and ask the group? Uh, well, we continue to uh, encounter uh, uh, the issue where uh, companies uh, and teams talk about how they aren't able to talk to the customer as often as they would like. For example, they, it's the extremes from the customer only shows up for every review or the, the, the customer proxy, if you will, maybe the product owner doesn't really know everything the customer wants, all the way to we haven't seen our customer in six months. Um, what are some issues or ways that we can to help encourage customers to participate more? Do they really need to participate more? Are there things we can do to mitigate these sorts of things? And that's that's been something I've encountered just recently. So. Okay. So what do you when you say customer, do you mean like end user of the product? Do you mean the person who's paying for the product? Like what do you what do you really mean by customer? Um, in the two cases, in the two cases that I can think of at the moment, um, it's in one case it's the sponsor, the person, the customer that's paying for it, but they're contracting with someone to build a app for their their customers, right? Um, and then the other case, it's an end user where uh, somebody is paying for a specific uh, development to happen, and they just kind of disappear after the initial couple of rounds looking at a product backlog or something. In both cases, there's a proxy um, uh, user of some kind? Yes. And it, so what is the team's challenge with the proxy users? That, that the proxy user just doesn't have enough information? You know, so, you know, hey, how do you want this implemented? Do you want it in red and green? And the proxy user's answer is, I don't know. Or is it a matter of the proxy user says oh green and then when you go to the sprint review um the actual customer says why is this green i clearly wanted this to be red and then the team is frustrated that they it's more of the latter uh there's a, a story told to me recently of a uh, project that went on for three months and when it was delivered to the absent person paying for it the customer um you know it was considered a failure because it was just too many things were wrong, uh, yet the team was frustrated because all along they were asking for participation and obviously didn't have it from the right person. So, you know, I suggested things like, well, stop working. You know, all the extreme stuff, you can always, you, you bring up extremes to make people think and have conversations, but the extremes sometimes aren't practical to implement. Did the team know that the person they were dealing with was the wrong person? Or were they under the impression that this person had the had the proper authority and decision-making power? I don't know the answer to that question hmm. in this specific case. Yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I think sometimes the extreme thing is really not all that extreme. And what I mean by that is I've seen this a lot in third-party development. Um, it certainly can happen in enterprise development as well. But if you don't have a the stakeholder or the customer, the person who's actually paying for the work, um, really signing off on the work or being an active participant in the work, and you get to the end or at some milestone, and virtually all of the work to date that's done has to be thrown out, um, which is more extreme, you know, either not getting paid, you know, if you're a third-party developer, not getting paid for six weeks worth of work, 
which I, I don't know about you, but most people would say that's pretty extreme to, mm-hmm. to work for six weeks and not yeah. get paid. Or in an enterprise type of project that you do work for six weeks and it gets thrown out and now you've lost six weeks worth of budget, which is the converse to doing that. And so sometimes I think that's not as extreme. I would say, could you use your definition of done to help mitigate um, some of this? So could you start to say, maybe we don't need the... Um, customer or in every detail or available every day or every stand-up or every planning meeting but could we get to a point that in order to have sign-off it has to be signed off by the actual customer and in that way we're never getting more than a sprint's worth of work done and what what we've done in the past and we had done some third-party development work in the past, one of the things we do is we do a kind of a mini little contract, and we say that when we're going to engage with you as a team, these are the things that we will do. We will have a planning meeting every sprint. We will have a daily scrum every sprint. We will have a sprint review every sprint. Um, we will review the budget as part of the sprint review. We'll review progress. You know, w- you know how we are recording the release plan every sprint. We expect you to do these things. We expect you to be there. For every planning meeting for clarification. You don't have to be there in person, but you have to be available if we have a question. You're there to answer the the phone if we need clarification. I think you can say, if you're not willing to live up to your half of the contract, we can't lift up our half of the contract. And I I think we've tried in the past when we were still doing um, that type of consulting work, we we try to use uh, proxy product owners every once in a while where the actual person or head of the organization or whatever that would that was actually paying us to do the work wasn't able to meet with us and would have a subordinate meet with us. And I think it's pretty much in all cases ended up rather poorly where we either had a problem where the person that got delegated uh, to, to, to be our proxy product owner either didn't know enough about the product to make his decision. So every time we'd bring something up in planning meeting, they'd say, oh, I don't know the answer to that. I got to go back to the product owner and we'd get a response a week later, which for us was a whole sprint. Or we'd have the other example that, that Derek gave where they would go ahead and make a decision and then we find out three weeks or four weeks down the road when the actual product owner gets a chance to look at it that none of it is the way that he intended. Yeah, I think I think following the money is a important lesson to learn here is who's really signing the check, right? And making sure that they're involved in some, in some way, uh, especially that there's some sort of feedback mechanism for that person to be able to let you know that if, if they have created a proxy or delegated some of that, that that person is actually making correct, informed decisions. And if they're not, there needs to be a, um, you know, a retrospective or some time for reflection to help the real product owner understand that that person is telling the team to do the wrong things, right? And that, mm-hmm. that that issue has to be dealt with. That's not the team's fault. They don't know. They're being told that this person fully represents me and is your product owner listen to them. But if that person's not doing the right thing, there needs to be some feedback mechanism between that proxy and the real product owner to address a lot of those concerns. So, but even even when you have a the real product owner being your product owner, you're not going through a proxy. I've been on multiple projects where the real product owner made bad decisions because they didn't get the product out the door fast enough and into users' hands. So, like they didn't. Uh, they they made all these assumptions about what the requirements were based off what they thought users would like, 
Whereas if they had released early, like within a month rather than six months, they may have saved themselves five months of development time, realizing that the user had no interest in the product or had a significant amount of interest in one feature, but none of the others, or didn't care about certain defects or whatever the case was. So I think even, even if you have the actual product owner to the development team, I think should push the product owner to release this product as, as early as possible. I don't remember who said it, but I, I think I really like to quote that uh, you should be embarrassed about your first release of whatever product that you're working on. So, so how does that contrast with you only have one chance to make a first impression? I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. That I, I don't know. I think that in the past, that was probably more true than it is today. I think that you're seeing with uh, – I've seen multiple times now where there are products that are coming out where they are almost offering beta access to users. They get to use it for free or at a discounted rate. You see that with Google, with uh, Gmail when that first came out. You see it with, uh, with games every once in a while too, like Minecraft is a really good example of this where users today, and especially in my generation, are okay with having an incomplete product. They'd rather have an incomplete product for less or even for the same price, but earlier on. You little kids. Than have a fully developed product that's, that's perfect. But the expectation is being set that you are an early access user, that this is not the <coughs> final product, right? That, that's a clear cut thing. That you're not just releasing the first release and coming, sure. well, that's... That was crappy. So a let's absolutely let's try but, again. But that's the. I mean, that that should fall with whoever's releasing that product should should do that. But I totally agree that that expectation needs to be set. You can't just release it say, "This is awesome. It's totally finished." And then, like we had this exact uh, this exact example with uh, Migo here, right, where they released yeah. this product and they're like, "We've got this totally awesome finished product," and everybody was all excited to go home and play with it and found out that it was, you know, still completely in in development stage which most of the people here would have been completely fine with but it was presented as a finished product and that, that's what totally killed it for everybody yeah. i think well i, I think uh, you know i mean i don't want to diverge too too much here but i think that one of the things we see is that uh, a fundamental shift that has happened is we don't do box software anymore so the concept of versioning is gone so uh, the best example of this right now today is facebook i mean facebook is probably different every single time you log into it it's got new functionality shipping nearly every single day. And so when features come on, they're not fully baked and they're not fully, you know, where they need to be. But people's expectations is, are it's okay because it's going to continue to improve or continue to change. It's not the world where you walked into Egghead or Best Buy or whatever, twenty nine ninety nine. you got version 1.0 and it was going to be another year before you got the next version. So I think people are a lot more forgiving about a current product state than they ever have been in the past. Um, I, I think, though, when you're talking about absent product owners, right, you know, um, or proxies, I, I think that for me, the most telling part of a product owner or a customer is their commitment to the product. And so it is a red flag in every way, shape, or form when I see a product owner or a proxy user or a proxy product owner put in place um, because there's not enough time. Yep. And so it's really hard to feel important as a team if, hey, this is a company's next big thing. This is what we're betting it's our future on. Thing. This is the most important thing. But I can't give you 20 minutes for a planning meeting for questions. I can't partake in a 20-minute demo to tell you what it is. To me, that is so indicative of how that stakeholder or that customer really cares about the feature set that's why i have no problem doing the extreme if you can't show up to the demo meeting on a regular basis and give feedback we're done 
Because at the end of the day, you're not going to want to write the check for this because you really don't care about it. And if I threaten that I'm not going to do it and you really care about it, you will find a way to get to that meeting or to get your input in because not getting it done is not an acceptable answer. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I think the a key concept here is the iteration, is the concept of iteration. If by one iteration, whether that be a week or two weeks or whatever, uh, we should be able to know that that sort of thing. Is, is the product owner or whoever was put in place to be the product owner, do they care about the product? And if it's in their hands and they can see it, they can improve then. Yeah, I like it. Or no, it's going the wrong direction. If, if it takes you three months to figure out whether they really like it or not, then your iterations probably aren't real iterations. It's, this is something that in a recent uh, – <clears throat> sorry, I, I was co-training uh, – Certified Scrum Master class last week, um, and uh, it's always interesting in those classes when when I did the the portion that talked about the definition of done, and when you turn to the class and you tell them you need to create the definition of done, let it expand and keep including stuff until every sprint you can give it to your end user, and and it's like half the you can see the fear on half the attendees' audience <laughs> faces because they. This is a whole new concept to them to actually deliver something and deliver it often. Yep. Um, and I've, it's hard. I've been told by so many teams that that's impossible. How could we ever do deliver anything in two weeks? You're, that's just insane. We could never do that. It's like you don't have to like release the whole product, but can you deliver something of value in that short amount of time? If you can't, you're probably doing something wrong. Hey, are you questioning our two sprint release sprint <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> <laughs> right i think it goes back to what derek was saying about you know things like facebook where you can have incremental value added you know week by week or even day by day and i i think that's the key if, if i can't spend you know one week or two weeks and work on something that has real value that people can really use then what's the point of working on that when you when you do that and you release it, then you're then you're releasing something real. I do think we need to be careful with that generalization. That works really great for web software, but in an embedded world, or you know, there's there's other constraints depending on your market where that's just not possible to deliver to the market that fast. But you should be able to have some sort of internal delivery system where you are delivering something that is of value and is of production quality. For each sprint in the embedded world, I spent a lot of time there, and and the goal we always have is to be able to do sprint demos such that those few times that we actually had the VP or the CEO or or somebody who doesn't understand engineering, they could still see the demo and see value being produced right. from that demo, yep. even if it was just a prototype board, whatever it was, so that you try to pull all the way down to the end user and the non techie so that value, business value, is evident. At least some sort of feedback where they mm -hmm. can see that value. Right. Absolutely. Um, that's as far as I've got with this question at the moment anyway. Uh, I, I don't expect this podcast will solve those questions forever. <laughs> uh, we'll hear them over and over again. Yeah, definitely. Well, thanks for joining us for the Scrumcast, and we'll catch you next time. Hi, this is Mark Rabin from leanblog.org. I'm looking forward to being a future guest on Scrumcast, but you can also listen to my podcast if you go to leanpodcast.org. I cover 
lean from a pretty broad perspective, including manufacturing, healthcare, and startups and software. You can listen to podcasts that I've done with Eric Reese, um, with Brant Cooper and Patrick Vlaskovitz on um, customer development. So you can find all of these on iTunes if you search for Lean Blog or go to leanpodcast.org.